helping us to preach uh, the last uh, the last several messages um, from the beginning of the week. I appreciate liberty. I don't ever want to take that for granted. Uh, in that part, I'm thankful for that, and um, appreciate uh, appreciate this church. I love each and every one of you that are here, and um, how y'all have taken such unbelievable care of our family and uh, met needs for us in so many ways, and we are so thankful for that. And uh, I promise you, you will be rewarded. Um, amen. Come judgment day. And I appreciate, um, appreciate you being so giving and so hospitable uh, in our behalf. So I'm thankful for that. I didn't thank you all the last few services, so I'm making up for it tonight. Uh, I appreciate the meal, Sister Lucy. I appreciate that. It was great. And I ate too much. I really did. And uh, the problem is, I told John, once you eat that, uh, and then you start preaching, all those muscles work down here as you try to make your voice come out, and that's not the only thing that starts coming out. So you got to be careful. And uh, But anyways, that's all right. Pray for us. But I am thankful uh, for y'all being so good to us. Ephesians chapter number 3 tonight. Ephesians chapter number 3. Uh, we skipped really right over top of this phrase. We ended up in Ephesians chapter number 3 and closed out with verse number 12 and dealt with the access for those of you who are not here, uh, we were we were looking at uh, launched out of Ephesians chapter number one and verse number three, where he is talking about uh, that God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We understand that heavenly places, Christ is seated in the heavenly places. He is the heavenly place. He is our heavenly place, our heavenly position, because God placed us in Christ. And uh, that is our position before God. And what a, what a privilege that is. You and I were, could never merit any favor, the grace of God, unmerited. We could not merit grace. We could not merit uh, the mercy of God uh, that he would ever take us back in uh, as a result of the sin that took place in the garden. And so to reconcile us and uh, to put, bring us back to God, God the Father had to take us and put us in Christ. And we dealt with that position and all the spiritual blessings, and I'm sure that there's probably several more out there uh, if we continue to study and as the Lord gives them to me, I'll preach them. But those are the ones that I found in the word of God. Uh, and may I say this, may I say this, we, well, let me give you this. We, we found our atonement is in Christ in whom we have redemption. We found that our acceptance is in the beloved. So we not only purchased us, we found that purchased through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when we got into Christ. But when we got into Christ, we also found his acceptance through his righteousness being imputed in our life and then the reconciliation taking place where God was willing to accept us back to himself. The reason why he was able to accept us is because for the first time we looked just like his son. His son, because of the faith we put in Christ to get into him at salvation, God or Christ imputed his own righteousness unto us. So when God saw you and me, he saw his son. Therefore, he was willing to accept us. 
But then it took another step because he not only accepted us again, but then he said, because you look so much like my son, I, I think I'm just going to adopt you as one of mine too. Amen. And so then he adopted us. We look so much like him. He said, I'll accept you. Not only that, but I'll adopt you. And what he did in that adoption was he made me one of his own. What a privilege that is. Hallelujah. He made me one of his own. So we now are the sons of God. Positionally, we are the sons of God. And if we are sons of God, and I'll probably read some of these verses tonight. But if we are sons of God, then we are joint heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. So the position that Jesus Christ holds in glory and the eternal position, and I could get in some deep waters here, the eternal position of his reign, we become heir to that position. And so I praise the Lord for that adoption, that process that made me a child of the king. We dealt with that acceptance, that adoption. We looked at the assurance, the faith that was measured, that faith that we extended into Christ, but then that faith because of the belief and the believing, the truth and the trusting that was placed into Christ, that faith was rooted and built up in Christ and he has established us. By the way, you want to see somebody that is shaken with every wind of doctrine. You mark her down, they might have a problem with faith. They might not have ever got in. He said, hey, they went out from us because they were not of us. For had they been of us, they would no doubt have it continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they are not all of us. You listen, I'm getting sidetracked. And I meant to get through this really quick because I'm hungry for ice cream. <laughs> Anyways, I've got to hurry. But I'm here to tell you tonight, I'm here to tell you uh, that, uh, uh, that faith is that, that we possess. Aren't you glad it's not dependent upon you? Yes. We are unstable. We're, we are emotional. Are you listening to me? That's how we are. We are unstable. We're, uh, we are undecisive. We are, emo- we are governed by one thing. We're governed by feelings. But my salvation, thank God, is not based on how I feel, my emotions of the day. It is founded in the word of God. What he said is true. And I am established in Christ because of faith. So my assurance, my assembly, we talked about the church Christ is the cornerstone, Ephesians 2. Christ is the cornerstone. So when we got in Christ, we moved up inside. We became connected to the cornerstone. And so we are part of something big, amen. And so we're fitly framed together from that cornerstone. Then we dealt with the access that we will find in chapter number 3, verse number 12, we find that we have access. Because we are in Christ, because we are in Christ, we have access to God. Access with the Father. What amazing truth that is. That you and I, now as saved, born again believers, as, as sinful and as wicked as we are, tonight we have access to the Father. When we pray and call upon His name, we have His ear, we have his attention. We have the ability to communicate to God. My friend, we were separated as sinners. 
separated. And there was nothing that we could do to ever get back to God. But God through the Lord Jesus Christ provided my access to him. Now, here's what happened. I need to give, let me give you a couple of things before we move on. Again, these are just little nuggets. You could take these things and preach them. I'm telling you, you could preach series after series uh, dealing with these truths. But let me tell you what happened, all right? So we dealt with, we had a positional problem. We could not be who God demanded and required us to be. So that is why he had to put us in Christ. So positionally, I am a son of God. I'm hidden and clothed, not with my righteousness, but the righteousness which is of God by faith. That is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so positionally, he took care of my positional problem and made me as the son of God. I had a power problem. And that's what I want to deal with specifically tonight, that power problem. And that power problem revolved around me not being able to do what God demanded through the law of God, the word of God, for me to do. And so that in, in order for that to take place where you and I could finally overcome sin, listen, become conquerors and live in victory, God had to put Christ in me. So here's what happened. When I got saved by the grace of God, this happened in a moment and in an instant. But here's what had to happen. I, in faith, moved towards God and I stepped into Christ. The moment I stepped into Christ, Christ stepped into me. So not only did I step into life, but then life stepped into me. So not only did I, I'm trying not confusing that, not only did I become alive in him, but then he became alive in me. Amen. You know what the difference is this. It's summed in two things. You'll see it throughout the entire word of God. You find in two things, Brother Ben, it's called eternal life and everlasting life. Do you know the difference? The difference is when I got in Christ, I have eternal life. Do you know what that means, Brother Ben? What that means is, is that you have eternal life. You, you believe that, don't you? That's what the Bible says. What that means is that now you become a partaker of a life, Brother Jason, that has no beginning and it has no end. In other words, positionally, it's hard to explain now, and you just have to accept it by faith because it's what the Bible says. But positionally, you've been alive as long as God has. <laughs> and you're going to live just as long as God will. Amen. So positionally, you truly are a son of God. So he has gifted you. I'm telling you, you can't explain it. But you, what, what the problem is, is that we've got our mind warped through time. Time don't mean anything to God. So you have to get out of that time zone. Amen. If you'll understand this. But positionally, you have eternal life. Life that has no beginning and life that has no end. It has always existed as long as God existed. As long as God the Son has existed. And that's been forever. Hallelujah. And so that's what the that's what kind of life you have waiting for you beyond this veil of time. Amen. Now, secondly, then you have everlasting life. There's a difference between the two. Eternal life has no beginning and has no end. Everlasting life has a beginning, but it don't have an end. But it has a beginning 
And each one of us who are saved by the grace of God knows when that life began. Hallelujah. You know what it is? It's when Christ moved upon the inside. And inside of you, life began because there was death. There was never death in Christ because there was never no sin. And so when you got in Christ, that was an eternal life. But you were dead. Hallelujah. You were wicked. You were dead. You were rotten to the core. But when Christ moved upon the inside, hallelujah, life became and life began. It's called being born again. Hallelujah. It has a beginning and I've got good news. Just as long as you've had eternal life, which is for forever, you now have everlasting life. Christ in you, living through you, a life that you've never been able to live in your own power. So this is everlasting and eternal life. Everlasting and eternal life. The difference is, is Christ in me and me in Christ. Now, let me focus on chapter number three and verse number 13. And I want us to look at this particular phrase and there's a lot in here and, and I'm gonna move right along as fast as I possibly can. But I also want to feed your soul and I would hate to run through this and not give you something that could help you or strengthen your faith. Verse number 13. Wherefore I desire that you faint not in my tribulation for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye may, might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, let me stop here because Ephesians chapter 1, chapter number 2, chapter number 3 you can compare these, and it'd be good to go home and read this if you desire to study this out. But you can look at Colossians. Go look at the book of Colossians, chapter number one, chapter number two, and chapter number three. And I'm telling you, they will go hand in hand. Matter of fact, I almost jumped up and read a verse last night when they were, uh, one of the men of God were testifying, talking about being satisfied in Christ. All that I need, I found in Christ. You find in Colossians chapter number two, now talking about being in Christ now, the Bible says we are complete in Christ. Everything you need, everything you stood in need of, we find it in him. That's what he's saying, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, he's talking about, now the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in Christ, we are in Christ, so that fullness can be experienced positionally. But he's talking about deep inside of your soul being filled with God, being filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all ages, world without end. And he finished up that great chapter with amen. So I'm gonna deal with that Christ may dwell in your hearts and look at some spiritual blessings or some spiritual benefits. Spiritual blessings, that comes from me being in Christ. But there's some spiritual benefits, amen, that comes from Christ coming inside of me. So this is what happened. I stepped in, preacher, to a big thing. I stepped into a big thing when I got in Christ. But the moment I stepped into him, a big thing stepped into me. Amen. That is the God of all heaven stepped into me. Now, I found atonement 
when I got in Christ. You agree? We got atonement. We found it in him. But Brother Jason, what I found first of all, when Christ moved up on the inside, is resurrection. Amen. You see, I was dead. You have to start right here because we were dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And you know what he did with those who were dead in trespasses and sin? He quickened them. He made them alive. How do you make a dead man alive? You put life inside of them. Amen. You see, Adam was dead in the garden even though he was formed of the hand of God, formed and molded of dirt. He was a man just like you and me, but he missed one thing and that's what this world is missing. And that is the breath of life. Amen. Now man is a soul. He is a living soul. He's going to spend eternity somewhere. But your soul, sir, is if you're lost without God, you're a dead man walking. You're dead in your sins. You're under the chains of depravity. And you can't do anything else. What you need is life. What you need is a resurrection to take place and to call you up from that sin that you're in. Amen. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. What, what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own sign in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be for fulfilled in us. Hallelujah. Who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity with God, against God. For it is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be. So then that they that are in the flesh cannot be pleased God. But ye are not in the flesh. Hallelujah. Praise God. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, child, let me tell you something, sinner. If you don't, let me tell you something. If you don't know what I'm talking about tonight, the Holy Ghost living inside of you, Christ dwelling in your hearts. If you don't understand what that means, you've never experienced life. You say, preacher, how do you know if life moves up in the side of you? Let me tell you something. If you think you was dead for five minutes and all of a sudden you came back to life, you think you'd know the difference. I think I know the difference, amen. You think you know the difference if a God that holds this world in the palm of his hand moved up on the inside of your life, do you think for, you think for one minute you wouldn't notice it? Oh yes, you'd notice it and everybody else around you would notice the same thing. Something different happened. What is it? He was dead, but now he lives again. What happened? Resurrection took place. Resurrection took place. He said, now, now, if Christ be in you, so come back to the child of God, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. <laughs> I'm fixing to preach for a minute. But the spirit of life, the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by spirit that dwelleth in you. Now that's not just talking about resurrection. The second resurrection. That is talking about a spiritual resurrection, a salvation resurrection from sin. Man. 
He is going to quicken. Do you understand? Paul said, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? This is the mortal death. This is the body of death. And if you're saved by the grace of God, he lives inside of you, then you have recognized because of sin, you're a dead man. Do you understand that? You're a dead man because of sin. But if, and because you were saved, because he lived with you, you are a dead man. But understanding this body is dead and Christ has moved up on the inside, Miss Morgan, do you also understand that if God has raised his son up from the dead, he can raise you up too. Amen. And you, you are a dead man. You can't help but see it. But if Christ lives in you, then he's giving you the power to overcome sin. Hallelujah. He'll quicken you, resurrect you, and allow you to come over sin victorious. Now, here's what happened. Man, I'm telling you right now, I feel good. Let me tell you what happened. If, if, listen, you understand the body you possess is dead. Here's how you understand. You have to be saved. Here's what happened. Let me read you some verses. Let me read you some verses. Galatians chapter two. Knowing that a man is not justified by the words of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. Galatians, church of Galatia was wrapped up in works, all right? For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You can't do it, amen. There ain't nothing you can do to ever justify yourself. It's all in Christ. We've already preached that. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, if therefore Christ is therefore Christ the minister of sin, God forbid. You understand what he's saying here? Listen, I can't, I, can't, I can't take the time to explain all this. You have to use your mind, understand what's being said. If we ourselves, we found, we found our sin. If you sinned, was that Christ? If you sinned tomorrow, Brother Ben, is that Christ? No. God forbid. That's your dead body. Amen. But God lives inside of you. He can resurrect inside you and give you the power to overcome that sin. Now, for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let me tell you what happened, Brother Jason. Every individual that's ever been saved by the grace of God, do you know what you are doctrinally? Crucified with Christ. You're crucified with Christ. Here's what happened. The law is perfect. In other words, in other words, in other words, Miss Lucy, there is nothing that you could ever do to satisfy God because you could never meet the law's demands. Miss Sue, there's nothing we could ever do. Nothing. All right? So here's what happened the day that I got saved. The law came by my way. The word of God was being preached. And if this ain't happened to you, you've never been born again. Here's what happened. The law came by, Brother Jason, and as a seven-year-old boy, the law condemned me. You know what it condemned me? It condemned me a sinner. It condemned me to hell. It condemned me to separation from God for eternity. 
The law said, Keith, you've sinned against a holy God. And the only way you can ever make it right is you've got to die. So law, the judge, pronounced a condemnation, a sentence upon my life. The only way, Keith, you've got to die. It's appointed a man wants to die and after this, the judgment. It's appointed a man, you've got to die. You understand that? You have got to die. If No man's ever avoided dying. You've got to die. So that was the price I had to pay. And the law said, you've not only got to die. He said, but, I, but, but the law said, you're not only going to have to die, but then you're going to have to suffer death through eternity. That's the only way you're going to satisfy God. You understand that? The world's going to die and go to hell. They're going to spend eternity in a place called hell. Great tor- because they are paying their debt for their sin to a holy God. That's how holy he is. So the law that day that I got born again, here's what happened. The law came by and said, you're guilty. And the sentence was death. And the law took me by the hand and it carried me to an old rugged cross and said, you're gonna die. I'm gonna nail you to that tree. You're gonna suffer such great agony. You're gonna suffer such great pain and you're going to die and you're gonna spend eternity in hell. And as the law drug me up to an old rugged cross, when I got to the foot of that cross, the law said, this is it. This is where you're gonna die. But when I looked up, somebody had already taken it for me. Amen. You see, the law is a school massacre bringing me to Christ. What the law did was to judge me, condemn me to a death, to a devil's hell, and to a death. Oh, that it was a price I couldn't pay. But I'm so glad when the law pronounced death and judgment and brought me to where I could carry out my sentence, I looked and Christ had already taken it for me. He took my death. He took my pain. He took my sorrow. He took my hell. He took my grave. (laughs) He took it all. Took every bit of it. When I found out what my sin had just cost the darling Lamb of God, I grew sorry for my sin. (laughs) Amen. Oh, I got sorry for my sin. I realized I had cost the Son of God his life. I had cost him the bosom of the Father. I had cost him tasting death and hell for me. And when I realized that, I was sorry. You know what started happening? It's called Holy Ghost Conviction. You see, for godly sorrow is a sorrow not to be repented of. (laughs) But godly sorrow worketh repentance. And that sorrow started working in on me. And I realized I deserved it. I realized he took my place. Oh, and what happened then? (laughs) When I started realizing it was my sin, I started getting sorry, Brother John, and I started moving toward repentance. Here's what happens when you start repenting of your sin. Next thing you realize, by faith, you're being crucified with him. You see, you're crucified with your affections and your lust. All of a sudden, I realized that the affections and the lust and my sin 
was had crucified my Lord, my Savior. But I realized what it cost him. I started repenting. And what happened positionally when you start repenting is, is that you start recognizing that it, that is your cross that you should have been nailed to. That's your death that he is suffering. And by faith, we become crucified with him. Grab a hold of this, this will help you, hallelujah. I'm telling you, I realized I was to be crucified. With, he already took my place. But positionally, I started turning, letting go of my will. I, started, I didn't want nothing to do with my sin no more. And I realized the only way I could get past my sin was I had to be crucified. I had to be represented upon that cross. So through faith, my repentance... I found myself crucified. But that ain't all that has to happen when you get saved. You see, I know a lot of people that got sorry for their sin. But never experienced the life that I'm talking about. We talk about them in the prisons. You talking about finding people that are sorry? Oh yeah, they're sorry. Yeah, they're apologetic, and yeah, they don't want nothing more to do with it. Just one problem. Once God, the Holy Ghost, through the Word of God, the law of God working, condemning them, convicting them, and they realize that it was their sin that's caused all the problems, and they're sorry. There's one more thing you've got to do. That is, you've got to die. And I'm afraid we've got a whole lot of people that have got to the cross, Brother John, and started willingly to repent. But then they realized that they had to die. And they couldn't trust God for that. Does that make sense? Just, I don't know how many times I've had young people say, Preacher, if I, if I do this, I say this prayer, if I believe this, I, I don't know if it'll change me. How do you know? If, how do you know it's going to change you? It's called faith. That's 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 where it's all coming down to. You see, once I got to that to that point, Miss McKenzie, when I realized that I was a sinner, I realized it was my sin, and I came and I was willing to repent. I all of a sudden realized that once I once I fully believed that I was not going to be the same. I had to die. I had to die to my will. I had to die to my wants. I had to give everything up. I had to give it all over to God. I would no longer be myself, be of my own man, my own of my own ownership, if you will. Right. From them, from that point on, I was going to belong to somebody else. From that point on, the life that I was to experience had to be solely dependent upon somebody else. Everything. Oh, you know what's the problem with the sinners today? They come to this point where they realize that they have they're they're sorry. Yeah they're sorry but then it comes to a point where they have to say Lord I'm going to trust you with my life I'm going to trust you with my will I'm going to trust you with my wants I'm going to give it all over to you I'm going to die to myself I'm going to die to the world and when it comes to that point we got a problem but it was a happy day in my life when I said alright God I'll go ahead and trust you and with one last move of faith I gave it all up and gave up the ghost of my own will and of my own choosing and 
when I let go, hallelujah, I took my last breath and Keith died, praise God. Oh, but as soon as I took my last breath, the breath of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of His Son breathed into me. Praise God, he came alive. He came alive in my soul. I'm telling you, it's alive that you can't explain, but praise God, you can experience it. Hallelujah. Resurrection deep inside, amen. I came alive and I realized it ain't me living anymore. Oh, but it's him in me. Praise God. And my my feelings weren't the same anymore. I wasn't scared of going to hell anymore. Oh, I didn't like my sin no more. Something was different inside of me. What was it, Brother Keith? It's Christ in you. Amen. You let that break in on of you. You'll tear this county apart shouting the victory. Hallelujah. Uh, Romans chapter number six, he said, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Amen. Oh, I died. Through baptism, positionally, I was buried. This all happened in a moment now. This happened in an instant. Amen. Baptism is just a symbol. We understand that, don't we? Baptism don't save anybody. Baptism in the Word of God has never represented water. It's always represented dirt. We're buried with Him in baptism. We're buried. It's a symbol that I died and a new man came alive. Who is that who now lives within you? It's Christ. Christ. Living through you, Brother Jason, a life you could never live in yourself. So resurrection, that's the first point. And I about preached myself to death, so I don't know if I can get the next one. He accepted me. He adopted me. Here's what happened as a result of that. I got into Christ. He adopted me. He accepted me. Two things that happened at the same time. He adopted me, accepted me. One of them is not only did I find resurrection, but then I found regeneration. (laughs) You see, because here's what regeneration is. You ready? Regeneration simply means this. You got regened. In other words, being before God saves you, you are of your father, the devil. So the actions, the impulses, the desires, your affections were the same thing as your father was, the devil. You carried the genetics of Satan himself. That's why you look into the world that's lost without God, there's no end to man's depravity. That's just, they're just being like the devil. Right. That's what it is. Genetically. But when we die, the genetic code stopped. And it died. 
But when Christ breathed inside of you new life, He then took that genetic code that you was, it's gone, and He put a new one inside you. And now, you're to be just like He is. Because you now, as the children of God, have the genetic code of your Father, which is in heaven. You're a son of God. You're a child of God. And so what he has done now is he has given you new life and has regenerated you, regened you. And now the desires of your heart, they're his. The longings of your heart, they're his. The will that you have, that's his. His, Your affections, that's his. The things he loves, you love. Because you're to be like him. Here's what happened. That regeneration. Here's what it is. That we adoption, adoption now, is what we call positional sanctification. Okay? What that simply means is, is you're the son of God and you're just as holy as the son of God is. Positionally, you can't get any better sanctified than you are right now. Make sense? Positionally sanctified. Regeneration is still is a working of life in the body of this death. So what this sanctification is called is progressive sanctification. And this is a working progress. Amen. You, that's, that, that's the adoption to wit. That's the redemption of this body. This body belongs to God. And one day this body is going to be resurrected. In that second final resurrection, it's going to be resurrected and we're going to be, we're going to step into a new body. This body is going to be completely resurrected and what we are positionally is what, what, that's what we're going to be positionally. That position is going to be revealed in this body. But while we are here, we are to strive to be what we already are over there. And that takes a progress. It takes the work of regeneration. Regeneration revolves around two things. Here's what it is. Now listen to me. John chapter number one, verse number 12. Let me skim through this and and we'll get out of here. John chapter number one, verse number 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become, to become progressive, the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. First Corinthians chapter five, verse number 17. Very familiar passage of scripture. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, this says in Christ. Did you catch that? That's in Christ. Now, we're talking about Christ in you. Here's the difference. The, therefore, if any man be in Christ. In other words, the requirement to experience new life inside of you, it requires that you're in him first. Amen. Does that make sense? You're in him. You're in Christ. So if you are in Christ then he is in you. You can't get away from that. And if you are in Christ, then the Christ that moved up inside of you made all things new. Amen. And he regenerated you. It's made for two things. One, it is made, he is regenerating you, regenerated and working on you progressively to perform godliness within you. Romans chapter number eight. You can read this entire chapter. It goes hand in hand. Therefore, brethren, 
We are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, he's talking about this body now, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? The sons of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the Spirit itself, let me say, for they're the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now we're, now we're reading the verses that we are talking about yesterday, but look at what he is saying. We're talking about this body now. He says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that you suffer with him, that ye may also, or be, may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by the reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. You remember who was the first fruits? The Son of God. The Spirit, that's Christ in you he's talking about. The first fruit, even we ourselves grow within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Now, that is all about, every, more to find that he's, he is talking about the, the relationship that you have with this body. You are to conform your life to be in the image of God. It is a work of regeneration. It's Christ in you being revealed through godliness. I'll tell you something about modern day religion. Nobody's interested in godliness anymore. They want all the glory with no godliness, and that don't exist. Not biblical. Not biblical. It don't exist. That worship will be in vain, as we talked about Sunday. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me, let me give you another verse here. Paul said this. I'll make a couple statements and I'll move on. Paul said this. He said, My little children, talking to Galatians again. He said, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Until Christ be formed in you. He was really, really his, his labor, his endeavors. What had happened was the church had been birthed in Galatia and, and it had come to his attention that their faith was resting in works and not faith. And now he is laboring again through the book of Galatians, laboring in the word of God, laboring in doctrine, trying his best to have Christ formed in them. You see, they were lacking. lacking. And by the way, anytime you try to put works to trump faith, you'll lack one thing, and that's Christ. Amen. Amen. You'll lack Christ. Now listen to me. Listen to me. He goes on in Hebrews. Here's what he said in Hebrews chapter number 13. He said, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for I stand in doubt of you. Now that's serious. He's labored. Church has been birthed. He's got all the converts, the disciples he's worked with, they're training and he has to write them a letter saying, I stand in doubt of you. Now the God of peace that brought again the dead from, of the, from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Work, listen now, working in you 
that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's what Paul was looking for. He stood in doubt of them. You know, you know why he stood in doubt of them? Same, looking at Galatians, he's, he's in doubt of them. He's laboring in their behalf. Because he started looking at their life, this life, this everlasting life, this life of salvation, and he is looking for one thing. He apparently is not looking for their labor because their, their labor is, is excellent. It's, they're laboring in the work of God. He apparently is not looking for their works and how what we would say holy living that they're doing. He's not looking at their actions. He's looking for one thing. He's looking for Christ. Now this, this is where it gets in the nitty gritty. He is looking for one thing. He is looking for Christ. He's Christ. He's I'm going to labor again. And I'm going to labor again until Christ is formed in you. See, we look at a whole lot of things as from the outward appearance. That's all we can do. We're looking for Christ. We're looking at a lot of things. We try to measure how people are saved and we look for a whole lot of things. But there's only one thing that matters and that is, is Christ in them? Is he formed in them? Do the actions that they possess, the appetites that they have, is that, is that even close to being who like God, who like the Lord Jesus Christ would be? Are you listening? Godliness. Godliness is a work of regeneration. Glorification is a work of regeneration. You understand that God wants you to be godly. He wants you to be just like Christ. But there is a reason. He said, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. Colossians 1. Even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations, but now was made manifest to his saints, to whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this ministry among the Gentiles. What is that glory? What is, what is that glory of that mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What oh man, I'm telling you, this will excite you if you're saved by the grace of God. The only thing that God, that the Lord Jesus Christ is interested in by putting his son and the spirit of his son deep inside of your soul, it is yes, so that you would be godly, yes, that you would be righteous, yes, that you would live a, a life that would represent him. But all of that revolves around one thing that you might bring glory to the Father. You might be to the praise, as I talked about last night, to the satisfaction of God. That's amazing. That's amazing that he would see fit to choose this group of believers to represent him upon this earth and to bring through our body, through Christ in us, to bring glory to his name. That is, we could talk about the, the everlasting, the eternal part of that. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is, there is a hope within me, hallelujah, of what I am going to be over there. And it spurs my heart. It spurs my life to be more like him. Amen. Amen. I, I've got verses after verses. I'm going to have to move on down. We looked at assurance. That's what we found in Christ. Let me give you this. 
But when Christ moved up on the inside, I not only found, we not only have assurance in him, but when Christ moved up on the inside, we found reassurance. Here's what I mean by that. Through that assurance, our faith became established. We entered in through our faith. Our faith became established. I threw this in there this morning because I was reading through it and I found it and I liked it. Amen. And here's, here's another thing faith will do for you in Christ and that is enlightenment. All the knowledge, the wisdom, all the understanding, that's found in Christ. And you can find that. It's all through faith, by the way. But that faith, exercised faith into Christ, we found enlightenment. We found enjoyment, endurance, all those things that we find that we positionally possess in Christ. It's not based on anything except faith in Christ and what the Bible says. But Christ in you now, Christ in you, you can experience that. In other words, that produces a feeling. Amen. If you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. You're not saved by feeling, we're saved by faith. But there is a feeling you know when God is working on the inside, you hear his voice and he is moving and he's changing you, if you will. That, that is not just assurance, but Christ in you is just a, a second, one-two punch, if you will. One, we got in Christ. Two, Christ moved inside of us and now faith has established us, but now God is going to reassure us by Christ being within us. Here's what I mean by that. When Christ moves up on the inside of you, we have, we have faith being in Christ. But Christ moving in you is fruit. In other words, Christ in you starts producing things. It starts changing things. I could go to 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse, uh, verse chapter number 1, verse number 1. I'm sorry, it's 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 1. And we could look at what faith is to be built, is to be, is to progress. He said, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge, temperance and to temperance, patience and patience, godliness and godliness, brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness, charity. He says, you ought to add these things to that faith. There are things that should be produced as a result of that establishment that you have in Christ. These things ought to be produced within you. Faith is in Him. But these, these are being produced within you. These are all, all of these. Virtue. You know what that is, don't you? Man, I cannot afford to get sidetracked. Virtue is manliness. You know what the other term is for that? Praise. You know a good sign I can, you know, and that's not the only sign. By the way, by the fruits, you should know them. So if you're in the vine, you, I'm the vine, you're the branch. If you're in the vine, you're going to bear fruit. Amen. I know, I know I'm getting long-winded. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to feed you tonight. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. That, that's, that's a part of being saved. There should be some fruit. Brother David, some fruit. Need to see some fruit. Here, here's what he's saying. Virtue. Right off the bat, Faith, childlike faith, it's time to grow up. Right off the bat, Brother Jason, it's time. To st newborn babes desire the sincere milk. But you don't, you don't stay on there very long. It's time to graduate. Time to mature. You know a big part of maturing as a Christian when you get saved? Learning how to worship. You know to mature your spiritual life? Learning how to praise Him. Listen to me. You know why we have so many anemic Christians in our day? Because we don't have a lot of worshiping Christians. Right. Right. Amen. Help us. Amen. Yeah, you want to be the example to your children? Right. Worship. Right. Right. You want to be the example to the church? Time to praise. Amen. And what Amen. you're going to do to an entire world Amen. that's without God, when they see it, when they're going to see, Paul, Psalm said, he put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. 
Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. They're going to trust it. All because, all because you've started building on that faith because he lives within you and you started, that's just virtue. That's just one. We could preach all night on the rest. Virtue. Virtue. Knowledge. Temperance. Restraint. You see that. That's visual. Patience. Uh, oh me. Oh me. Godliness. Brotherly kindness. Charity. Brotherly kindness deals with your relationship to the people of God. Charity deals with your relationship to a world around you. You look at how that word is. But listen to me. He said, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren. Next phrase. Nor unfruitful. In the knowledge, notice that word, of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your call and election sure. How do you do that? You add, your, you add this. You add this to your faith. You grow. You start bearing fruit. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. That's some serious scripture right there, brothers. Listen to me. That's all the part, being reassured, having, having fruit. There's the assembly. We find our adoption. Our adoption was positional sanctification. You find our regeneration is progressive sanctification. But the assembly and our role and our responsibility, let me tell you what that is. That is your purposed sanctification. In other words, why, Brother Jason, why? Do you live the way you do? Have, okay, let me, let me just preach for a minute. Have you ever had people in your life, preacher, that just want to know why are you so serious about the way you live? Why, do you, why have you chosen to live the way you do? Have you ever if you had people ask, if you had your family, why do you, why do you choose? Oh, yeah, I see that smile on your face. I know it's true. <laughs> why in the world do you dress like this? Why don't you let your children do this? Why don't you, why don't you and your family get involved with this? What, what, what's, what's, what's going on? What is that? Why do you have to be so sanctified? Why do you have to be so separated? Separated is just, that's a good way to get bogged down in a bunch of rituals and a bunch of uh, standards, if you will. Sanctification starts meaning something. What that means is you're separated for a purpose. You see, what, what other people have to start understanding is, is there is a reason we do this. There's a reason we dress the way we do. There's a reason why we behave the way we do. There's a reason why we talk the way we do. Why we comb our hair the way we do. There's a reason all behind it. What is that? So I can serve God. Is there anything better? You say, hey, I can serve God doing this. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. When God's revealed truth to you to change your life and you're not walking in that truth, you can forget about doing anything for God. Oh, you'll labor your days away, but you'll never accomplish anything and have God on it. No, sir. But you want God on it? You want to be satisfied in the day? You want to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and have him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What you've got to learn is, is that God demands holiness. He demands, he demands godliness. And that takes place, amen, in service for the Lord. I sanctify 
my life. There's things that I do, things that I don't do for one purpose, that I may get in the service for God and do something for the glory of his holy name. This ain't about me. This ain't about you. It's about God. It's about glorifying him and lifting him up. God receives the glory out of it when his people become sanctified. Sanctified for a purpose, for a reason. And that motive drives me closer to God. Ask him. Ask him one good time. Have the acceptable standards that they have incorporated incorporated into their life, has it made them closer to God? Not a chance, brother. Not a chance. Got family. We've got family tonight and they, they, they don't want that sanctified life. So you know what they did? They found a church that let them live the way they wanted to and still quote unquote serve God. And this is what happened. I, want, I wanted to wear my britches. And I'm going to go to this church down the road where I can teach Sunday school. Man, I feel like preaching right now. And you know what that preacher said? Come on. You know what it did? What she did? She started teaching. Teaching in the Sunday school. She started throwing it to everybody. Look at what I'm doing. And I get to wear my britches. Then all of a sudden, the pastor had a problem. The pastor that was letting her wear britches called the former pastor and said, uh, Well, uh, now she's wanting to wear shorts. What do I do? <laughs> that surprises you. There, ain't, there hasn't never been a Christian, so-called Christian, I guess we could call it that, that's ever went down that path of being able to live unseparated or unsanctified and still quote-unquote serve God where it did not end up drawing them so far away from God. And I'll be honest with you now. That's a, that's a slippery slope. And it progresses very, very quickly from what I've seen. Man, there's way too much preaching here. Way too much preaching. He said, you heard of my conversation. He's talking about his lifestyle. We can, uh, just too much preaching. Let me give you this. By the way, in that church, the sanctification part, let me give you this while I'm, while I'm thinking of it. He gives to the church gifts. All right? As a church, you need to understand this. God's going to give gifts to the church. He may allow the families to come in in the future that have gifts that you don't possess. Are you listening? You need to understand that when God gives those gifts to the church, they're to be utilized. How many times have I seen, have we seen, honey, people that served in a place, but God moved a family with a gift to start serving and there was conflict because somebody didn't want to let somebody else use the gift that God gave them. You see, that's when it, the glory becomes about somebody and not about Him. You listening? So God's going to give gifts. And in those gifts that He gives, there's grace that is measured for all those gifts. He gives men the, the talent, the ability, and He gives them the power and the strength to fulfill that in the church. Okay, And all that revolves around one thing and that is fulfilling your role and your responsibility 
in the church. How do you understand that? Have you wondered that? How do I find my purpose? How do, you, how do I find my place in the church to serve God? Christ lives within you. And the gifts and the talents, the grace, that's within you because he's within you. And he gives you the measure of grace so that you can serve God in your place. Lastly, I'm done. We're talking about the access. Talked about it a little bit last night. That was my little bait I threw at you. My access to God came from when I got in Christ. My, his access to me is Christ in me. So, because I live within Christ, my prayer can be heard by God. He's in tune to my cry because I'm his son. Man, what a blessing. When I cry, Father, he hears. Hey, man. But at the same time, just like any father would, to his son, he desires his voice to be heard back. He desires access to you and me. He longs for us to hear his voice. Now here's what that's going to revolve around. One thing. His access to me, that's what, what I found by Christ moving in me, is now I have a relationship with Christ. I have a relationship with God the Father. Here's, here's what I want you to notice. This relationship hinges on one thing. Do you know what God, right, listen to me, let's be honest now, search your heart, I'm almost done, give me five minutes. Do you know when God speaks to your heart, you know what that's like? You're saved by the grace of God. When God starts speaking to your heart, here is what it revolves around. One thing and one thing only. Truth. Search your heart. When God starts speaking to you, it's always about truth. Through the entire two messages that I've preached, there is one word that is found over and over and over again. Here's what it is. You ready? He said, I put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Even the spirit of truth, John 14, 17, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. 1 John 5, 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we might know Him that is true and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. And this commandment, and this is His commandment that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. And He that keepeth His commandment dwelleth in Him and He in Him and hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Paul said, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. <laughs> All, every time when he speaks, when his voice comes to you, it is about one thing. It's him revealing more of who he is to you. Amen. 
truth, truth, truth. The text we just read in Ephesians chapter 3, I'm not going to read it again. You'll find wisdom, understanding, knowledge over and over and over again. All he longs for you in this relationship. He knows everything there is to know about you. Knows everything about you. He just wants you to learn a little bit more about him. Amen. 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 What a privilege. Hallelujah. What a God. What a salvation. Yes, sir. Father, we thank you for the day. Thank you for the privilege that it is to be saved. Thank you for the opportunity to be in the house of God tonight. We thank you for all that you've done for us. I pray that you'd work now in this invitation. Lord, we, I know I've been long. I pray that you would allow the word of God to work in the hearts of everyone here lost. May they get saved by the grace of God. The one being here not right with you, cold, backslid upon thee. Oh, Father, I pray that you would work in their behalf and let them get right with the Lord. I pray for the children of God, Lord, that you would truly revive us, that you would help us now. I pray, Father, we truly have an appreciation for all that you've accomplished and all that you have provided for us. Lord, in this so great salvation. May your will be done now in this service. We'll give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. I'll give you a moment to do business with the Lord. As my wife sings. I've been blessed with many things. God Has Christ spoke to your heart to lately? Has he made his voice known? Has he revealed truth to you that would regenerate and sanctify your life that you may not have responded to correctly? Be a good night to respond. Sinner, dear sinner friend, have you been led to the cross lately? You realize what your sin costs the Lamb of God. Jesus will be there, and I if you come to a place where you are truly sorry for your sin, has it ever been ever been manifested in your life? He's the only maybe tonight you remember the night you, you got sorry for your sin, and maybe you said a little prayer, but when you left, there was no change, there was no difference. You live the life you'd wait, the way you'd He's always lived. The only reason I tell you, friend, that's not the life that takes place. That's not the life that God offers when He saves reason. you. But tonight, you see maybe the Holy Ghost come by your way once world. again. The law led you back to Calvary. Showed you again what your sin cost the Lamb of God. And maybe tonight, maybe tonight, would be the night you would simply just give up. Give up your will. But Give in your wants. And die. You may have I promise you tonight if you would be willing to do that, exercise that faith, hey, I guarantee you, you will never be unhappy with the life that God will give. But if no child of God has ever been Lord, dissatisfied you know that with the life that God will give. Are you happy?
that is fun. Holy Spirit, he'll be your reason to live. And he'll give he you life. Will never let you Not just life, friend. He'll give you abundant life. He's the only reason I live. But oh, I've never regretted Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. He's the I promise only you, if you do that as well tonight, you'll never regret it. But oh, what you'll never a reason. You see, there's nothing in this world worth living for. It only leaves you empty and longing for more. Oh, he's the only reason I live, but oh, what a reason. Let the preacher come. I'm, you can look this way. I'm amazed at what God's provided for me in salvation. I'm absolutely amazed. But if it's possible tonight, it does get just a little bit better than all I preach to you. Colossians chapter number three. I thought about preaching this tomorrow night, but it's not developed, so I'm just gonna give it to you. Here's what he said. He said, your life is hid with Christ in God. So not only did I get in Christ and Christ get in me but then he took both of us and he put us within himself what that simply speaks to my heart is is I've got a salvation that I cannot lose and it cannot be taken away aren't you glad I'm thankful to be saved 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 Hallelujah. I'm done preaching.